This is Jimmy Corain, and you're listening to another episode of Improv Nerd. And this episode is sponsored by the Green Bay Improv Festival, which is celebrating five years of bringing the best improvisers to Northeast Wisconsin. This year's festival will run October 21st, 22nd, 28th, and 29th. And they are now accepting submissions now through August 31st. Submissions are being accepted via the Improv Network at theimprovnetwork.org. For more information, check out the Green Bay Improv Festival on Facebook. This episode is also sponsored by the Tampa Bay Improv Festival, which is November 17th through the 19th. Now, if you haven't visited Tampa in November, you're missing the sunshine and an improv revolution. Last year's festival brought together teams from New York, Chicago, Austin, Boston, San Francisco, London, and other great cities for three days of sold-out shows and workshops. Submissions are open until August 31st at TampaBayImprovFestival.com. Join the party in Florida. Do Tampa Bay Improv. And if you like what we're doing here on Improv Nerd, do us a favor. Please, please, please write us a nice review on iTunes. It really would help with my low self-esteem. We have a great episode of Improv Nerd for you today. Actually, it's a very special episode. Uh, I flew down, I got in an airplane, and I flew all the way down to Miami, Florida to help celebrate the Villains Theater one-year anniversary. And our guest today is the artistic director and co-founder of that theater, Jeff Quintana. Jeff is a very well-respected improviser and teacher. He has studied improv in both New York and Chicago before moving back to his hometown of Miami to open the Villain Theater. We talked to Jeff about this dream that he's always had of opening an improv theater, what it was like to live on the streets of New York, homeless as he was pursuing improv. And he shares with us some very specific techniques to finding a character at the top of the improv scene. Not only does he share this with us, we also have an opportunity to demonstrate some of his tips. Before we get to the episode with Jeff, I'm sure a lot of you are saying, you know, hey Jimmy, what's going on with your new daughter, Betsy? Uh, we know she's about seven weeks old now. She's gotta be at least seven weeks old. Well, she's a little over seven weeks. I gotta tell you, yesterday was awful. I mean, it was so bad. She would not sleep, and there is nothing worse than a baby that does not sleep. And it's not just me. You know I complain. You know I am a, I'm negative. You know I'm an old curmudgeon uh, when it comes to just life in general. But even for Lauren, I mean, even Lauren was losing it. And uh, and she put this on Facebook, and this is totally, you can go to her Facebook page and ch- check it out. She put this on her Facebook page last night when she was just like beyond you know, whatever. I mean, she was just gone. Uh, She was so frustrated with Betsy. And it was for sale. She said, cute baby, brown hair, brown eyes, uh, may answer to the name Betsy in the future, almost brand new, cries a lot and doesn't like to sleep, available to the highest bidder. Hashtag don't call DCFS, hashtag losing it. We did get one offer. It was a guy who wanted to trade Betsy for a puppy. And uh, I told Lauren, let's hold out. I think we can do better. Betsy is worth way more than a puppy, even at this stage, crying and not sleeping. So it just proves, you know what? My wife is very funny. She's 
actually in real life, she's much more funny and much more playful than I am. I'm really a curmudge and I'm really Mr. Controlling, a control freak. I'm not much fun to hang around. Lauren is much more fun uh, in, in real life. All right, enough about me. You're going to love this episode. You really are, especially those people who are like, oh, you know, like the more master class episodes of Improv Nerd. It was so much fun to go down there and to play to a packed house and everyone's excited to see you because they, they, they know about you and they're, and they're doing some great work. They're doing some Chicago-style improv and, and they're, they're moving. They're moving uh, to a new theater and they're actually they're, they're having a GoFundMe campaign. So check that out if you can to support them because they're really doing some, some great work down there. Uh, here it is. You're going to love this. The Jeff Quintana episode from the Villain Theater in Miami, Florida. No one has ever dressed up in a double-breasted suit with a tie. <laughs> We had to do it. I mean, we usually dress pretty nice, so I had to go a little bit more. <laughs> now, what I find interesting is a lot of people that get in improv, they want to get on a Saturday Night Live, they want to get hired at Second City or on a team at UCB, but your dream was to, to open an improv comedy theater in Miami. Uh, yeah, ever since I kind of like, well, I got started with it with my brother and stuff, and then we had always talked about it, and uh, I don't know, it just stuck. That's the reason I left. The reason I left was to open this place and it's so weird to be sitting inside of it with a lot of people now you now you told me before backstage that you were nervous what are you nervous about uh, I'm mostly nervous because uh, I don't know I'm representing a lot of great people right now that are in this place it's not just me so I just don't want to mess up for them is there anything I can do to help you to relieve some of that uh, pressure not really okay <laughs> We'll just, we'll just be in this, and that's okay. Okay. Um, now, I know you, you, you stopped drinking, which is great. Yeah. Right? Did that help you relieve some pressure drinking? Uh, I think so. I think, like, there's something to uh, just not being coherent all the time and, you know, also not making use of your time well because, like, you, if you're drinking all the time, you're also waking up late, and if you're waking up late, you're not doing much with your day. So this has definitely uh, been a more positive change. And you started here in Miami, and it's really, because drinking's kind of full circle when you think about it, because you started improv because your brother did it really to help you out. Yeah, I think he was trying to save me because I was on a pretty destructive path. Can you tell us that destructive path? Uh, sure, I was. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I was easily spending like $200, $300 a weekend uh, just going out drinking and partying, and I was doing a little bit of drugs, some of the, the sugar kind that goes in your nose. Okay. Um, for our listeners, that's cocaine. That's cocaine for the yeah. listeners. Um, Which is probably really hard to get in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Insanely difficult. Insanely difficult. So you're partying a lot, and your brother says to you, uh, he basically, uh, he kind of tricked me. He told me, he's like, hey, we got to go drop off something at this place before we go out. So I thought we were going out because I like to party. Um, and then we got there and he kind of was like, all right, everybody get up for the audition. And I was like, audition? No. But at the same time, I was very much like a Jersey Shore bro at the time. So it was like, 
Now I'd be confident enough to be like, no, I'm not doing that. That's fucking ridiculous. Or that back then I was like, oh, I got to prove that I'm a man. So <laughs> I go and do this audition, and I, um, I think the worst one for sure, like easily. But you get into the company anyway. Uh, because my brother was the one running the audition. And I'm <laughs> so you get into the company. Now, do people give you shit because uh, your brother... I think so. I think people were mad. There were definitely like other people that were like actors. I could tell that were actually trying to do something with theater stuff. Meanwhile, I was just like, hey, I showed up. I thought we were going to go get beer. And now I'm on a group. And know. it was short form. Uh, short form and sketch, yeah. Uh, Impromity, it was called. And did you take it seriously? Uh, I think I took it too seriously. I, got, I kicked myself out at one point because I got so cocky that I thought I was so good at it. Um, so I actually kicked myself out. I was like, I need to be on the best group. Like, uh, well, I don't know why I'm in the lower group. So whatever. I was actually like kind of It was of like cocky. a junior varsity and a varsity, right? Yeah. Impromity And you, you didn't make the varsity, which uh, your brother was on. Right. And you, 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 you quit, right? Uh, yeah, I quit after a little while because I was just like, I'm too good to play with these like novices around me. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have people coming to shows going, you're terrible, man. <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> How bad were you? If you can be objective, how bad were you? Oh, man. Um, I'll give you what my audition was, and my brother will remember this. Um, they would give you an object and tell you to do like kind of like a solo scene. Le an object freeze? or uh, It was, I don't even, yeah, I don't no, know. No, 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 they, they would just give you an object? Yeah, like they give you an object, and then it's like, hey, this is a random object. Do a scene now with this object in your hand. And I got this little like flashlight. And I basically just took that light and flashed it on my asshole. And I kept saying, light, 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 for five minutes. <laughs> so you would get your friends to come to the, to the shows. They would basically say you sucked. Yeah, my friends told me they were embarrassed. That's one of the real words. <laughs> They, were, they looked at me, and they watched the show, and they go, this is embarrassing for us to say that we know you. Please stop. Like, this was what real. kept you going? Uh, I have no idea. I think I, just, I think I just liked it. I just enjoyed doing it, and I didn't realize it was bad or not. At the time, I was just like, yeah, we're doing stuff. And it was better than drinking and being weird. And how old are you at the time? Uh, I think I was 21, so 2003. I think that makes sense. Somebody do the math. I'm terrible at it. And then, so from there, uh, you go to, down to Gainesville. Yeah, I go up to Gainesville in 2006. Uh, up, I'm sorry. Every, yeah. I'm from Chicago. Everything's down. <laughs> yeah, I went up to Gainesville in Theater Strike Force, and uh, yeah, that's where I learned a lot of like the first like long-form stuff and even a lot more short-form stuff that I didn't know. Um, yeah. And then you come back to Miami. Mm -hmm. You're down in Gainesville for like two years. Mm -hmm. Strike Force, is the, is, is, isn't that... Yeah, Theater Strike Force is the name. Um, then you come back, and you, your, your dream is to go to Chicago, right? Uh, well, at the end of my time at, at Strike Force, I went on a trip because a bunch of my friends from Strike Force had moved to Chicago. So they were like, come and visit. So I went for nine days, basically from the day after Christmas until after New Year's. And I just Great saw time to be in Chicago, weather-wise. Oh, man. Great. I almost died. <laughs> I was freezing, and I went out in just, like, a suit jacket and stuff, because I was like, I got to look cool, and that was a mistake. <laughs> so it was freezing. So what did you see in Chicago that said to you, you know what, I'd like to move here? Uh, I saw groups called, I mean, the three major ones I remember. I remember Bullet Lounge, which was an amazing Herald team, uh, Improvised Shakespeare, which is amazing, 
And then I saw the Deltones at the time. Which, which is a musical great. improv Right. Group. So I saw all that, and then I saw a bunch of other stuff, but that's mostly the main things I saw. Oh, and I watched 3033 for the first time, which is amazing. And so what was it that was like, okay, I got to get to Chicago now, that, that you had an experience in either Miami or Gainesville? Uh, I just felt like everybody was so polished, and like everybody looked so at ease up there, and I was just like, how do we get there? Because it felt like, you know, just where we were at, we were just kind of like, we were getting some laughs and stuff, but it was like, it felt more like fake. We didn't have like that laser sharp focus that they had. So you come back to Miami and you, you your plan is to move to Chicago. Right. Yeah. I had a ticket uh, like taped onto my thing that I was like, this is when I'm going to leave. And it was a fake ticket, but I didn't leave. <laughs> I didn't leave on the day that I said. But And then what happens? Um, I started getting really into impromptu again. And like, you know, um, I just started running that. And it was a cool experience. We just started doing a bunch of cool stuff, and we were getting packed houses. And I was like, well, man, we could just do it now. We could, like, start making this happen here already. And we actually started doing classes back then and everything. But um, I don't know. It just got to a point that it was just hard for all of us to run it. And I just felt like I was like, man, there's more that we could be doing. I feel like I just need more training before I start teaching people because I really didn't know what I was doing. It was like somebody wrote an article at one point that said uh, – that said, uh, you know, oh, local improv guru. And I was like, if I'm the improv guru, we're in trouble. <laughs> you know, because I didn't, really didn't know shit. I was all self-taught from, like, books and stuff. So I was like, I got to get out of here and actually learn so I can so actually So where preach. did you go? Uh, I went to New York first. What happened to Chicago? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Peter um, sat there. and Peter? Had, Peter Meir, my okay, business partner and Here friend. at the, vil uh, the Villain? Yeah, here at Villain. He, uh, he told me, like, you got to get out of there. You got to at least go and experience other stuff you can always move back um and i got a room open so you might as well come up and try out new york and then see what happens from there so i actually moved to new york first and so you get there and peter's got this great room in this apartment yeah and what happens uh we get evicted <laughs> <laughs> and it's hilarious now right <laughs> What were you feeling when that happened? Uh, very scared, I remember, because I just didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and I, bless Peter's heart, he gave me as much places as I could live with him and staying. We even slept in the same bed for a little while. Sorry, Sheila. Um, and, um, yeah, but, I mean, it just got to a point that he had to go to Connecticut because that's where he had people. And then me, I was just like, I'll figure it out. And I didn't figure it out very well. What does that mean? Uh, I ended up on a park bench for two weeks sleeping uh, there by, uh, by the Columbus Circle around there. So you were so homeless? I was. I was and homeless. what was that like to be homeless? Uh, it would, consisted of much um, not sleeping and, like, people try to jack your shit. There's, like, weird people in the park. I don't know if you guys have been to Central Park at night, but it's not great. Um, but whatever, you know, the weirdest part, I think, of that whole experience was opening up my laptop and using public Wi-Fi on a bench, <laughs> you know, and looking for jobs still, like applying for jobs. What did you, um, what did you learn having to be on the street for a couple weeks? Um, I learned to appreciate anything, right? Can, can, you, can you explain? I think, like, just the fact of being able to be somewhere and have an apartment. Like now I look at it like I look at my past and like I had all these like nice cars and I've lived in really nice houses and 
was able to just buy food all the time and do what I want. And now I was in a position where it was like, man, I would be happy to have, you know, a McDonald's burger and, you know, a shack somewhere, you know? So now it was like, it's just a big learning experience. It actually, I don't know, it changed me as a human after that. How did you, um, like, take a shower and clean yourself and all that um hygiene stuff was uh the ymca if you pay i think 25 dollars, i think i remember paying uh you can use like their facilities so they had showers and stuff for that so it was 25 bucks a month so i just like was like well this will get me by hopefully this will only be like a couple days but then it was two weeks and then what changes um i end up going to a job interview at uh simple studios which is the training center for uh, the People's Improv Theater um, in New York. And uh, Ali Faranakian is the guy that owns that. He's an I.O. guy and a great person. He helped me out so much. Um, and he gave me a job over there at Simple Studios, and he kind of saw I was worse for wear, and I had a lot of stupid pride still. And uh, he was like, hey, man, where are you going? I know there's nothing that way, the way you're walking. Like, where do you live? And I was like, nowhere. And then he's like, nowhere? And then he, like, let me stay in Simple Studios. So I lived where I worked for a little while there in the middle of the city. And, yeah. At this point, before Ali brings you in and says you can stay at Simple Studios, is there anything like, oh, what the fuck is going on? I, I want to go home. What am I doing? This is crazy. I'm on the streets. Um, I was talking to my mom about this recently because she was like, always like, you should have told me, you should have told me. And I always was like, if I would have told you anything, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have continued. I would have just ended up coming back here and just being in the same spot I was. So I was like, I got to figure this out. And uh, luckily we did. So. Why didn't you tell your mom? Um, cause she would freak the fuck out. Yeah. She already, even now, like I told her years later what actually happened finally, because I didn't want to be dishonest. Um, but she was just like, you should have told me. And she was crying now, like years later, <laughs> you know? So you can't imagine in the moment, like actually having to deal with like that. And like, there's nothing that really we could do. Cause my family was pretty poor at the time. So I didn't want to put any more burden on them than I already had. Yeah. Um, so you're at Simple Studios, you're working there during the day and sleeping there at night, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're taking classes in New York? Uh, yeah, I was doing uh, the Magnet Theater, had an intensive, and I was doing that. I did a couple, like, uh, drop-ins at UCB, drop-ins at, uh, at the pit and whatever, you know. That's how I was, like, getting my training while I was there. And how do you decide I'm going to leave New York? Um, I won't mention his name, but a teacher there, I just kind of asked him, I was like, look, you know, I've always been interested in Chicago and I just feel like, you know, there's just some really good work going on over there that maybe, you know, they're a little bit ahead of the game than here. And he was just like, well, don't tell anybody this, but I think you should totally go. I lived there for like five years and you should totally do that if that's what you want to do. Why won't you mention the guy's name? Uh, because he told me not to mention his name back then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And I don't want to get him in trouble, but oh. I thank him for that. I always thank him whenever I see him. Okay, so then you, so you, you move to Chicago, mm -hmm. and Ali helps you out. Uh, yeah, Ali gets me hooked up with Sharna immediately, um, which is a very difficult thing to do. And, um, yeah, he basically made it so that I got an internship immediately. So I started uh, doing classes at I.O. Uh, right away, right when I arrived. But you do other stuff there, too, to pay for the classes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh 
like as far as work. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, was, I was a stagehand around the city. I was doing like technical work. I even worked for the Blue Man Group for a day because I was at, I was so bad at my job there. They were like, no, no. What, what did you have to do and how bad were you? Uh, it was like all this like I was trying to lie to them. Like I knew like all this stuff about like cable work and all this stuff because that show has all these like leave like levers and pulling and all this stuff. And like I was like, yeah, I've done that before. And then I obviously did not know how to do that. So I was messing it up left and right just in rehearsal. And they were like, thank you. So, but they do give you two free tickets to a Blue Man Group show. So, hey, I got to watch that. And then you also, uh, at I.O., you start to house manage and do some other stuff, right? Uh, that was after my internship. So while I was going through and working, I actually worked at Groupon. For a while. Which a lot of improvise. There was a. <laughs> you're laughing. Yeah. Well, because there were so many of us there. And what was that like working at Groupon with all these improvisers? Yeah. Like literally, at least Groupon at the time was uh, like 90% improvisers because they were hiring people because they wanted us to be funny on the phone. I put air quotes for the podcast audience. Okay, great. But, um, but yeah, but they wanted us to be funny and like have funny pictures and funny emails and whatever. So that's why they hired all of us. And it was great at the beginning. And then it got really bad. What happened? Um, they just started getting more corporate. Once they went public, they fired their CEO, who was like the fun guy. Um, Andrew Mason and um, everything just got worse. I don't know. It became a very terrible place to work, and I don't know. They just didn't want us there anymore. So they were, but they had us all in like contract stuff. So they didn't want to just fire us because we'd all get, you know, workers comp and all that stuff. I'm workers comp. What am I talking about? Unemployment. Um, yeah, unemployment. Thank you. And um, so we'd get all that. So they didn't want to fire us. So I stayed on as long as I could. But by the end of it, I was doing nothing. I was just taking. I took a whole month where I watched so much Netflix and answered no phone calls. So you would just go into a cubicle with your computer and just watch Netflix? Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a cubicle. These are wide open, so everybody knows I'm watching Netflix. <laughs> and then, like, my manager would come around, and he'd be, show me, like, an angry face, you know, and he'd be like, you gotta get... And I'd be like, okay. And then I would answer one phone call very poorly, and then I would hang up and then continue watching Netflix. So did they fire you? Uh, they didn't want to fire me, so they kept giving me warnings, like, so many warnings. And I was like... <laughs> And I was like, fine, guys, you know what? I'm going to do the high road. And I eventually left. And, and in the it. meantime, you're also on a, a, a team at the I.O., right? Uh, yeah. At that time, I'm finally on a team at I.O. And I also had started house managing a little bit. So I was like doing it kind of part time. And then that's when I kind of kicked into high gear. You got to tell me and you shared a little with me before the weird <laughs> shit that happens when you house manage uh, at a comedy theater. Oh, man. Uh, just late at night, you just find people that are just hiding in the theater. I found that happened Performers to me. Performers or audience No, groups? just, yeah, like, it would be like some guy was like, oh, I thought I could sit here. I was like, you thought you could sit here in the dark, in the training center where you had to go through two doors upstairs in order to be inside of it? No. <laughs> you know, so I had that. I had a guy uh, that was in the new I.O., um, there was a guy that was in the hallway once and I think it was like for New Year's or something and we turned our back for a second because it was really busy and then I turned and we faced the hallway and there's this guy just finger banging his wife um, in the hallway openly in front of everyone <laughs> and then we had to be the ones that came up and be like excuse me sir that's not okay so <laughs> but isn't that okay on New Year's Eve? <laughs> In Chicago? Uh, I don't think Sharna would approve. <laughs> what did you learn uh, as house manager? 
Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about running a bar. I learned a lot about just everything. Like, uh, you get to ask Sharna so many questions as much as she was annoyed by me sometimes. Um, she fired you twice. You told uh, me. she fired me twice. What was the first time? Um, uh, the second time, I don't remember the first time. I remember very well this. I let somebody sleep in the theater that was a performer because it, will you tell us their name? I, I, I don't think I can. Can I'm I guess? Yes. Okay. What year was it? Uh, 2013, around there, 14. Uh, eh. Were they drunk? Uh, they were having problems. Sex? Oh, they were having problems. Yeah. So. Okay. This is fine. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Now, this is just my screwed up head. I'll tell you later. Okay, great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I had let him sleep in the theater because I felt bad, but I didn't know about like, you know, any problems that that person was going through right. and everything and had sh and that Sharna had like a moratorium on him about being around the theater and stuff. And then I let him do that and I was I didn't know what to do. So I was honest and I emailed Sharna and I sent her a text and everything. And I emailed Mike Click and sent him a text. Just Mike so that Click, they, who's the business yeah, person there. General manager yeah. at IO. And I sent them stuff because I was like, I just want you guys to know this is happening so I don't get in trouble. But turns out that got me in the most trouble. Um, I get a call like the next morning, like at like 8 a.m. And Sharna just yelling at me. And she is just telling me that I'm the worst person. And what am I doing? And yeah, of course, you're not going to have a job here anymore. You're done, whatever, whatever, whatever. So I was like, OK, you know, fine. Um, and then I hung up the phone. And then I waited. I've had there. one. Those are scary phone calls, aren't they? With they Sharna? Are. Yeah. And I've heard them from multiple people. So I guess. You yeah. Know, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Um, it's a badge of honor, actually, <laughs> in the, the improv community. And actually, she mentioned in the if you read the New York Times article, she mentions how she actually got the interview because she called the woman in New York Times and yelled at her. So <laughs> it's it makes you feel better that you, it's, it's a great club to be in. <laughs> I guess so. At the time, but it, it didn't scared the way. shit out of me. So go on. So, um, but yeah, later I was supposed to work that night, but I was like, well, I guess I don't have to work tonight. And then, like a couple hours later, I get another call, and she's like, "Are you coming in tonight?" And I go, "I, uh, I, I don't think I work for you anymore." And then she goes, "You can come in." And I go, <laughs> "Okay." So that was. Well, <laughs> so I got fired for a couple hours, and then I was back at it. So. Towards your end of Chicago, you you uh, make a bond with McNapier. You t you say yeah. you wanted to take his class, and you had never take studied with him while you were in Chicago. Right. Yeah. I uh, I had been trying to get into his class because his class was constantly sold out, and he only offered it every once in a while. And I finally get in. And we had talked before, but you know, it's that thing where you like pass by and you're like, "Hello, I know who you are." Um, and I take that class, and man, we just like stuck on to each other he was so complimentary of like the improv i was doing and stuff he's like oh i've not seen you before like you're doing such great work like man you know and you don't go to second city and i was like no i haven't really gone over there so um i don't know it was just great it was a good and awesome like confidence boost right before i was leaving because it was just like man you know is it time to leave and that basically told me like yeah this guy thinks you're great he's the best in the biz and he's helped you with, with the, the villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he put together, he helped me put together our curriculum. He like looked it over for us. Anytime I've had like a question about like how do they run their classes or what's the best way to market, like he's been there. And with the new space and stuff too, he's been awesome, you know, telling us like just advice and stuff. He's just been great. He's a good friend. So, you know, I look at your career and, and the success you're having down here in Miami with, in the villain. And I think 
how much of it is you humbling yourself and, and, and asking for help and reaching out, you know, for help, be it Ali, be it Mick. How important is that to your success? Uh, I think it's huge because I think everything is about like, and that's not, that's not even an improv thing. I think just in general, collaboration is what makes us succeed in general. Like you can't make it without other people. Um, and that's been proven time and time and again for me. You know, it's not sitting there and like just being the best at something or trying to be top gun. It's just, oh, how can I work with these other people that are also great to achieve something that's cool together? And it's interesting because when you first started out and when you quit because you didn't make varsity, essentially, mm -hmm. um, and then now where you're willing to ask for help and stuff like that, what do you think changed? Um, I just, I grew up. I think you just like eventually realize like, yeah, you got to become like a functioning human that can actually deal with other humans. And how does running a theater help you grow up? Because I would imagine it's much different. You're smiling. <laughs> I don't know if we've grown up here. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's it's great to run a theater. There's a lot of things like that you don't think about, like insurance and, you know, like uh, you know, making sure that we have enough toilet paper, things like that, right? Um, but most of it is fun. I'll say it's like most of it is just being really stupid with a lot of other people that love to be stupid with you. And what is your vision for this theater? Uh, You're at 160 students, eight or nine shows a week, uh, um, in a year's time. I mean, this is, and you've got what, like eight classes going right now? Yeah, currently, probably this week, we got a bunch, yeah, at least eight probably running. What's the goal for the theater? Um, man, just to keep spreading improv. I'd love to, I mean, I say it all the time, I'd love to pay improvisers for doing this. That's one thing I really want to do. And then uh, I think opening other locations, you know, around Miami and anywhere else that we can go. Why is it important? Because improvisers, as a rule, 90% of them don't get paid. Mm. Why, why is it important for you to pay them? Uh, I think this is a real skill, and I think, you know, we keep using it as a tool to get to somewhere else, but I think, I'm personally somebody that just likes doing it on its own and I've worked so hard to get good at it and like be make this my thing and I think other people want to do that as well but they don't get the chance to because there's no way to be paid for it so I think we just got to find a way to do that for those people the people that put all the work in to be good improvisers. And how will that bring up the respect level of improv if people are starting to get paid for it? Well I mean that's you know that's the Steppenwolfs of the world and stuff like the great theaters and stuff all those people get paid for where their work and I think when improv is doing that more especially long-form improv that doesn't happen I don't know if it happens at all um, you know, that I think is going to make the art form really respected and a thing that people actually want to do as a living, which is cool. Let's talk about your teaching for a second. Sure. What is your philosophy? Uh, patterns, 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 and emotions. Okay, <laughs> so let's break this down. What does patterns, patterns, patterns mean? Uh, I think you got to, I'm strong with just like snapping into something immediately and then holding on to that thing, very annoyance in that way, and then knowing that that one thing is enough, and then just playing, if this is true, what else is true about that? And that's where the patterns, I think, okay, come so in. Okay, let's, so let's, let's get a working example right now. Okay. Okay, of your pattern, pattern, pattern. Sure. Okay, so you're saying one thing. You hold on to, to, you start with one thing? I start with like, yeah, I think your character is the thing that you gotta make, whatever okay, that person is. Character, people that are listening, character is such a hard thing to define. How do you, <laughs> how do you simplify 
uh, character? Uh, I think it's just the first move you make. So okay. if I sit there and I'm just, you know, shaking my head and I start feeling like, oh, this dude's angry, and then I start assuming things, right? I start assuming, like, this guy's a gas station attendant and he's dealing with somebody that's being a dick. You know, now I'm going to just always keep reacting through that. This thing that I'm slowly making assumptions. So, about. would you start? Would you say that your character starts from a physicality for you? Uh, I think it can start from physicality or emotion or just even a specific at the top of the scene. Like character can be a lot of things. It's just whatever you do at the top is what you're going to be doing by the are end. Are you initiating it or are you getting it off me? <laughs> when you say it's something at the top of the scene, uh, I think if I'm initiating, I'm going to try and give you information. I have a acronym that I use. It's a SPEC, S-P-E-C. So that's what I think makes a good scene: specifics, physicality, emotion, and context. Right. So I think if you're the first one, be giving information. Right. And if you're the second player, react hard to that information. Make that information important right now. Why is it important to us immediately? And then if you got that, you're probably set for that whole scene. Right. So if I say, you know, um, something like uh, something totally simple and, and banal and I say something like, uh, oh, my God, you made it to my party. Yeah, I told you I was going to come. That's why I'm covered mud. <laughs> Oh, you're angry at me. Huh? Yeah, I called you, you didn't pick up, and now I had to walk. I know, but it's my birthday. Huh? Yeah, well, I wish it was my birthday. But it's not, it's my, <laughs> Carl, it's my birthday. Huh? Well, I didn't bring you anything. Did you bring me something? Why would I bring you something? Uh, let me in the house, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting you in the house. You've got, you, you, you're, you're covered in mud. Huh? What? Don't blame me for what you did. <laughs> Carl, it's my birthday. Huh? Francis, I got you something. Oh my God, thank you. Here, it's my anger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a, that's a great example of how t you, you took something and you, you immediately got a point of view. Yeah, I think just you got to jump into it and just hold on to it. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I know this person sounds and acts like this. So where was the pattern, pattern, pattern? In uh, I think it's just heightening that character over and over again. I already knew once you gave me even more information of just giving us the context of like, it's my birthday and you're mad at me. I'm like, great. I'm just going to continue making this worse or making this better. That's what I think about. Right. So I want to make it worse. So what's going to make this worse? More anger, more reasons why it's your fault, even though they don't make sense. Um, let's take it, but you make it, make it, instead of making it worse, you make it better. Mm -hmm. uh, play that. You want to go better? Okay, great. Okay, okay. okay. I'm so glad you made it to my birthday. <sighs> yeah, I brought you four gallons of milk. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you read my diary. Mm -hmm. I did. I went into your room last night, and I snuck in, and I read the diary, walked out, stole four gallons of milk from the local You stole house. it from me? I did. I would steal for you. I would kill for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Right now you would? I would. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to take you up on the offer. Awesome. Let's go. Who do you want murdered? I'll do it in a second. How do you want it? <laughs> oh, my God. You are so... You really do care about me. Yeah, I do. Is anyone else at this party? <laughs> no. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That sucks for you. Yeah. And you know what? I brought some friends. You're kidding. For yeah, me? Yeah, I didn't know if you were going to have anybody here, so I just grabbed some people on the street and told no, them to follow real me. No, homeless people? Yep, Grisrandos. Oh. <laughs> They're all my friends. I named them all different 
parts of a car. So one of them's named tire, the other one's named wheel, and the other one's named windshield. Oh, cool, cool. You know I wanted a car um, for yeah. my birthday. Okay, you know, I listen when you talk, and you talk when I listen. <laughs> okay, great. So that would be an example of going positive. Yeah. Okay, great. Now, we talked about the pattern part. Where does the emotional part come in? Uh, I think you have to have a reaction immediately, mm -hmm. right? I think sometimes we wait, and we're just kind of like, hey, it's my birthday. Oh, cool, right? Like, I think if you react immediately somehow, whether it be negative or positive, you're going to have the scene already. Okay, now some people will say, they'll say, well, okay, um, I want to act real in the scene, or I, I, I really, do, I, I really do, I don't want to act positive about something because that's not my real emotion. What do you say to those people? You're laughing. Uh, <laughs> you're Could laughing. You, you, why? Because you get that a lot? I think I get it from people, but I've heard it before, and I, I always tell them. I think somebody even asked me right before we walked up here, but it's the, I mean, this is acting. Right? I mean, some of it is not going to be right next to yourself. Sometimes but you're you telling me to be honest. It's telling me to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to be honest, right, and learn how to control your emotions first. So I'd usually teach people, play yourself first before you go into characters. So that way you master you. How do you react? And then you'll find out if you have to, you know, up your emotion, right? If you're the kind of person that's like me. I'm actually the kind of person that... If something happened in real life right now, like if somebody came in here and they were just completely naked, I'd be like, oh, whoa. You know, I wouldn't like be like, holy crap, right? right? But I know for acting, I need to give it more reaction, right? So the audience can be on it. This is giving me a lot of hope because in real life, emotionally, I am totally shut down. <laughs> you know? And I've always struggled like as an actor, as an improviser. And, and that's probably why I teach emotions because mm -hmm. I want, the, I, I'd like to have an emotional range, not only on stage, but in life, mm -hmm. you know? So this, this is really, this is giving me some hope that you struggle with the same stuff I do. Yeah. And so how have you overcome the emotional part? Of it? I think uh, it's what I tell a lot of students uh, and here. It happens all the time. Like they're at that place, go to where you feel like you're almost doing a cartoon right? And that's probably looks like enough to the audience. So it seems like exaggerating to you, but it's actually just enough for them to believe in what you're doing. I wish uh, you would have taught me 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much I would, you know how much farther I would be? I'd probably be, you know, finishing my, you know, 15th season on Saturday Night Live because I, I, <laughs> because I, because I was so good and I just wouldn't want to leave and wow. wouldn't know where, you know, the next move would be. Well, I'm glad to give back to you. You actually taught me a long, long time ago. You're kidding me. Yeah, I was like, but I was like just getting to Chicago. It was a free workshop at Theater Momentum. And uh, that's when I first met you. Did you, you. get anything from I did. You? I took, I actually used one of your exercises in our uh, classes. It's the one about the numbers. Oh, yeah, one, one through 50. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we do one through 30 because I guess I got lazy, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also move slower down in Florida. <laughs> Sure. One through 50, is we do it in about four minutes, and so mm -hmm. I would imagine it's the same thing here. It's just less number. Yeah. Yeah. And you do it in Spanish, right? Uh, <laughs> it's uno, dos. Yeah. yeah. I make even, even the people that don't speak Spanish, I go, you better do this in Spanish. Right. So, um, <laughs> yes, yes. But I always, I always it's, to me, it's always like everybody is like, you know, there's certain, I never think that I have an, an impact on people. Oh. Yeah. Come on, man. No, yeah. you're doing so much. Even your just podcast, period, just doing that every week. Like, man, I can probably, I mean, people in here could probably stick up for that, too. But, like, yeah. <laughs> you're doing. No, because I, 
what I do is I always compare myself to the mix, the Susan Messings, the Dave Rosowski's, the, you know. Hey, so, me too. Are you serious? I do. I compare myself to those things. Like, you're like, man. And how do you, how do you deal with that? Because to me, it's like there's nothing worse, and I do it all the time, to compare myself to other people because it really brings me down. Yeah, I think I just kind of view it as like, well, I try to view it like what's helped me is looking at it going like, wow, look how they found their way of doing things. I got to find my way of doing things. And that's well, how they inspire me, I guess. So when I look at them, it's like the comparison is like, man, he figured out who he is. I want to figure out who I am as much as possible. All right. So why don't, why don't, we, why don't we do a scene? Okay. Okay. Um, and let's, let's put him to practice um, your whole philosophy okay. of spec. If you could just repeat it for me. <laughs> uh, spec. Uh, specific- specificity, physicality, emotion, and everybody? Context. context. They Con- know. Well, I don't know what context means. Context. All right. Yeah. Just like the context of the scene. How it's different if we're doing a conversation right now and we're whispering, mm-hmm. but we're in the middle of a waterfall, right? Right. Then it's very hard to hear each other. That's one thing. But if we're whispering and there's a lion waiting right nearby us, that changes the context right. of the scene, right? So I think little things like that like, can change things. If, I usually tell you if you're in a scene that's kind of tanking, throw some context in just randomly. Well, Try give to me throw. an example of that. Okay. So, so the so. scene's tanking. We're doing this. Yeah. You know, they need some more mustard, and it's tanking. They need some more mustard, and then mm-hmm. I'm just like, ah, man, I still got all this blood on my shirt. <laughs> Holy shit. Huh? Fuck, blood? Huh? Yeah, you got blood on your shirt. Let's finish up washing the dishes. No, 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 no. What? You killed somebody. Huh? Well. When you went out to get pie, you fucking killed someone. Or I got a lot of pie. (laughs) Let's finish these dishes up, buddy. Come on. Where's my sister? (laughs) Ken, where's my sister? She's getting pie. You fucking killed my sister. Huh? You fucking killed. You're right. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Okay. All right. Great. Okay. I feel like we... Okay, let's improvise. All right. right. I am totally lost. The format's gone. What the hell? I'm having a great time. It okay, what do you want to do to start? Um, I guess we'll take a suggestion so we can prove that we're improvising. Okay, great. And that's the only reason you take a suggestion? I think so, because I really Because you're, like, you're just like totally like, eh, I'm just taking a suggestion so we improvise. So you... I do it more so people... Still people complain. Like, we just got a review today on the, on the Yelp that was like, yeah, it was obvious the first hour wasn't improvised, but the later hour was... And I'm like, I don't know what else to do to prove these people is improvised. So we take the suggestion at least so it's like a And semblance. so when we take the suggestion, will you do anything with it? Uh, I say, I mean, it's a mixed book, but I say attend to it really quickly. Like just what, be what like, does that mean? Just like be like, get it out. Get it out of the way, you know, right? So if we got like spoon. Keep, spoon. Yeah, I get spoon and I'm just, and it's like, oh, you know, we don't have any more cereal left. Hmm. Right? So I'm just like, hey, we got spoon kind of. We're good enough. Right. You know? No one in the I always tell everybody this. No one in the audience is complaining if they were laughing the whole time. Right. No one has come up to me after a show that they were laughing and gone. Hey, asshole. 
What happened to Spoon? Right. You know, so right. it's like... I want my money back. You didn't say Spoon. <laughs> I refuse to come to this place. Right. So. I yelled it twice, too. <laughs> and you did nothing with it. <laughs> spoon. Um, okay, so let's take a suggestion and cool. just deal with it and then just work off the spec model. Sounds awesome. Okay, great. Great. Uh, uh, I think seasoning was the first thing I heard, mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah. So uh, we'll go with seasoning. Here okay, we go. Okay, great. I put barbecue sauce on the chicken. Oh, yeah. That's going to be good, I think. I'm just going to put it inside my belly, make myself feel full. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Oh. Yeah. Ah, you look you look tired. Oh, I've been... Oh, Carl, I am so tired. Oh, yeah. 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 You've been lifting the wood? Oh, I've been lifting the wood, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been trying to get it up in my wife as well. It's... Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it can be tiring. They want us to make the babies, but oh, I'm like, yeah. Whoa. Enough's enough, right? Oh, oh, yo, we're working 60, 70 hours a week. Oh, there. man, I cannot lift any more wood. I no. lift wood at the job. I lift wood at the home. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I didn't know there. Uh, you know, you, I know you had some problems oh, there yeah. with, uh, with Dolores there. Oh, yeah. She, uh, she left me three times last week. And, and, you know, I, I knew that there at work, and I didn't want to say anything. You know, Chet said, you know, that happened, and I, I didn't want to bring it up there. Oh, but I wish you would have. I'm reading a book that's telling me to open up my emotions. <laughs> Got to open up my emotions more. I think it'd be a good idea because you, you, you bury them in there. You don't really, you don't really speak them much. Oh, no, no. I put it, in, I put it inside me like a burying a plant. You, but you've always done that, you know, since we were since we were in high school there. Oh, yeah. I remember when the coach asked me, do you want to swim? And I said, yes, but I didn't want to swim. No. And you got right into the deep end of the pool, and you know who would have jumped in to help you because oh. you were drowning there? Yep. Your friend. My good old boy, Wallace. Yeah. I pulled you right out. Oh, you did. Oh, and you were like a whale back then. Oh, you were I- so heavy there, pushing water out of your mouth. Oh, I thought I was yeah. in SeaWorld. Oh. <laughs> She's real. Ah, she just reminded me that my wife told me that uh, I don't last very long. She told me I have a, I have a weak stroke. Yeah. Breaks I us back to swimming, huh? Yeah. No, Chet brought that up. He told me that. Chet knows everything. You know, this is what I don't understand there. We've been best friends from high school, and Chet obviously knows more about what's going on in your life than oh, I yeah. do. Oh, here's the thing. Chet is cheating with my wife. Oh, that's how you get all the information? Uh, uh, No, I don't get the information. He tells everyone else the information, and then I feel sad. (laughs) (laughs) I knew knew Chet was sleeping with your wife. I just didn't know how to bring it up. I wish somebody would tell me these things, because they would avoid me a lot of problems. I don't know how to bring them up to you. Uh, you Just say it. Write it on the the vision board. We had the vision board at work. Just write it on there. the vision board. I know there, you know, and I put a baby on the vision board, and I, I, didn't, I didn't want you, you know, I, I, I felt bad that I did that. Oh, I thought, yeah, I thought that you were mocking me. I well, thought you were saying, I made a baby and you didn't. No, Look at no, that. no, I would never do that. Oh, you know okay. that. Well, you know, is... you know I, I love you like a friend, of course. Oh, yeah. Hey, I think this chicken done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what did we do in terms of spec? Uh, I think so much. All those specifics of just like this uh, Chet guy on the outside and my wife and where we worked and like the fact that we were sharing our emotions, like all these things just kind of fed through these people, which I thought was very cool. Mm-hmm. And would you have done anything differently? Um, I think 
I would have had a bigger reaction at the top myself. I think I went into character quickly, but I don't think I had a big enough reaction to okay, make your stuff Okay, let's do important. it and let's get a bigger reaction. <laughs> do you remember what the, my line was? The first uh, you made a chicken rub, I put the seasoning on it or something. Okay, great. Uh, you, you, you made a chicken rub and you put the seasoning on it. <sighs> Can't wait to eat again. <laughs> Me neither. You know, we've been on this diet now uh, for about uh, 14 days. Yeah, I haven't lost any weight, but oh, I know. I'm ready to. Yeah, <laughs> I actually gained two pounds. Wow. Yeah, I went to DQ the other day and got one of those blizzards. Oh, you did the, oh, you I did, did yeah. the cheat. Yeah. You did the cheat. I did the cheat, all right, because I was pissed off at you. Oh. Yep. Why? We were supposed to go bowling there. Oh, I was, but I was busy doing the diet. <laughs> Oh, I'm not going to fall for that That's one there, true. Ken. No, Ken, I'm not falling for oh, that one. Oh, come on, come on. I was in my, my, my truck there, and I was waiting for you right in front of the house. Uh -huh. And you know what? You weren't doing the diet because I looked in the window there. Oh, so you saw me just staring at the television. I saw you watching the television, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you were watching American Idol there. Yeah, so. that's how I prepare to cook. Oh, you're so <laughs> full of it. I'm not going to, I don't buy it for once. No, no, this is for real. I like to watch people sing because then I'm like, ah, tenderize my own meat. Now I will tenderize other meat. <laughs> well, that's too much information there. I don't need to know that. Oh, you're thinking wrong things. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying the sound that people make tenderizes the meat of your body. I'm not falling for that. Okay. You know, uh, you know, Chet's uh, sleeping with your wife. You know that, right? <laughs> What'd you say to me? I, well, I thought you knew. No. I, Everybody at work knows. Oh, man, what the shit? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Chet said, you know, he sent it out in an email. What? To Chet is sending emails? Yeah. Dude. I thought you were on the email chain Oh, there. man, this is, this is forked up. This is real fucked up. <laughs> wow, I gotta go home. I'm sorry. You're gonna have to finish this meal on your own. I, I, it's, it's a dinner for four, dear. Well, I What's mean, our celebration dinner? Oh, well, I'm gonna, not gonna be celebrating much because I've got to go home to my whore wife now. Oh, for God's sake. See what the hell She's she is. She's a beautiful doing. woman. Don't she, call her off. Oh, whore. but look what she did. Or maybe she didn't do it. I guess I should ask her first. <laughs> No, she did it. That's for sure. Ah, does he? Because the other night, you know, you were supposed we were going to play bowling again, right there. Uh huh. I go into the window to see if it's you, and guess who it is? Who? It's Chet and your wife. What? And they're watching American Idol with no clothes on. I don't know if that is wrong. <laughs> I mean, were they doing something? I've sat naked and watched several shows. But they were doing something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then that whore. <laughs> Scene. Great job. <laughs> so, um, how, how was that different than the first time we did it? Uh, I think because we launched it at the top with right. some emotion, I think I even see it in my partner, right? If I throw energy at you, you're going to throw energy back at me. Now, what do you mean by that? Uh, because that's a, you know, kind of a vague concept. Oh, okay. Um, I think... Humans, naturally, right now, if I walk up to anybody in this audience and I just start yelling in their face, they're going to feel some energy, right? right? And like, whatever. And then that will make them have a reaction, which right. is probably fear, right? And then they'll keep feeding more fear as I keep yelling. So right. I think it works the same in improv. If I feed you happiness and you are like, oh, I feel happy about that too, we're going to keep feeding the beast with that energy. So mirroring that energy of that, that happiness, right? Uh, if that's what we find, because maybe you're unhappy. 
right? Maybe right. I'm happy and you're unhappy. But, but, but I think is what you're saying is making a strong emotional choice and then me I fo think following that? In, yeah. In that scene? I think so. I think like at the top, you should have a big, strong emotion of some kind. I don't think it has to be cartoonish, but I do think it has to be make this important. And you're now. saying like in the first or second line, right? Yeah, I'm saying the first line. Let's get it done as quickly as possible. Because once you have that, like it's easy for you to just jump on it because it's already something to react to. It's already something to do. Okay. So give me one and I'm going to, I'm going to give you one and you make it a, uh, an, an, uh, a negative one. Like a negative a, one? Yeah. Okay. okay. Great. Um, She called you for what? <laughs> she called me because she was wanting to know where you were. Tell her I don't want to talk to her in this moment right now. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. But you owe me. Fine. Uh, why are you being a dick to me right now? Because I'm tired of covering for you. I gotta fly free. Like a bird. She loves you. Does she love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes, we all love you. Why does no one call me? <laughs> That's why I stay away. You only want me when I'm there, but when I'm not there, nobody checks to see where I am. Because you're high all the time. They told me it's a way to reach my core. <laughs> I need it. It's either us or the pot. I will talk to you when I'm ready to show how I feel. Sing. Great job. <laughs> cool. I always seem to go into, when I get, I, I, I always, yes, I always seem to go into negative. Ah. That seems to be one of my things. Oh, cool. Yeah, well. it's very hard to, to navigate that. I, the one thing I do teach is like agree through the ang I, I think people avoid anger and I think anger yeah. it's okay to be angry and improv I think it's fine I think there's a whole wheel of emotion that I think people can look at you can look up wheel of emotion online and I tell people to look at that just to get more variety mm -hmm. and I also think dynamics is important in a show you know if one scene is angry the next scene should probably be happy or the next scene should be just different you know? variety in yeah. any long form or even short form exactly variety. but i don't think there's anything wrong with anger i don't even think there's anything wrong with fighting you know as long as there's you know emotion and specifics happening i think right we're okay. and if, yep and i think a big thing too is agree through it so it doesn't become i'm blaming you you blame me. exactly so right. let's uh we've got some people they've they're here oh and they want to ask you some questions oh i'm sure they want to ask you some questions too so we'll see well it's you're the guest. All right. <laughs> I think I've, I've talked plenty. So, um, and, and given my opinions. So, uh, if we could, uh, just, uh, uh, have people come up to the microphone. We actually have a wonderful mic microphone set up here. So I don't even have to, if you've been listening to this podcast, I don't have to repeat the question. So, ah, which is great. Very so, cool. uh, 
So uh, if we could have somebody just come up to this microphone and ask a question for Jeff. Here he comes. Here he comes. <laughs> yes, and what, what, is your, what is your name? Uh, I'm Daniel. Daniel, great. And your, your student here? It, yeah, uh, I was actually, I was lucky to be a part of uh, the first class Jeff offered. Oh, great. And what is your question? How do you sort of balance the commercial aspects of like trying to, in a sense, gain a living off of this, with the same time treating it as an art form? Um, I think the only way that the art form can sustain itself or how you can continue being an artist is that you can make money at it. So I think you just, it's the thing you have to do. It's not even a thing that we get a choice about. Like if you want to be an artist and have, and make your living being an artist, how do you do that without being commercial a little bit? So I don't think you have to like cop out, but I think you also have to think about who is your audience, you know? And for us, I like, I want all the audience we can get. So let's make a product that the audience understands. But it's interesting. And, and, and I've heard other people here say it in Miami is people don't understand mm -hmm. improv. Yeah, totally. They don't, a lot of people didn't even know what it was. So it's been cool to like train people, but the way we advertise it, we just advertise it as comedy, you know, like people will come and then even if they don't know what it is, they'll be like, well, I understand what comedy is, you know, but if I tell them tales from the magic city, they'll go, I don't know what that is. Right. But I know what comedy is. So I'll come watch comedy. Great. Uh, another question for somebody behind you. Hey. Thanks, Jeff. Hello. Yes. Uh, uh, your name is? Uh, Marcus. Okay, I'm Marcus. A student here. So, uh, Jeff, do you think that um, experienced improvisers or beginners take to the, the villain style better or more easily? Um, I think it's always, I think it's always harder for people that have already been doing stuff for a while to kind of latch onto this because it is kind of different, I think, than what people have learned so far. Um, I find that the newer people tend to be like, oh, I don't know anything else, so it's easy to just implant stuff. But um, the older people, the cool thing is they have all that, um, the people that have been doing it a while, um, they have all that experience, so it actually helps because when they do say yes, like I would put my brother as an example, you know, he's someone that he's known so much, he's done so much of it, but he still when I got here, he started at square one with us and he's learned and gotten even better, you know? So, so your brother who, who got you to start doing improv, he was taking classes with you? Yeah, he took classes. The first class I came down here, he jumped in without question. How was that for you? Um, it was, it's always weird at first. I mean, he's my older brother, you know? This is a person that showed me how to play when I was little, <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, anytime you're training somebody like that, you know, but I, I made sure that I was just as hard on him as I was on anybody, as I hope everybody will remember. And so. did he say anything like, oh, you're too hard on me or you could be harder on me or? No, he, he was one of the first people to like walk up to me after a class and be like, hey, what is this? What's that mean? You know, if anything, he was just trying to get deeper into what I was saying, which is cool. So almost the roles had reversed. He was now looking up to you as an, an improv, someone who had been to Chicago and New York and studied. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, looking up to, I guess he was, he was willing to learn, which was great. Great. Another question? Thank you. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> what would What's you your name? Michael. Michael. Uh, what would you say to an improviser who finds it challenging to co go from a nine to five job, five days a week, he's getting up there in years, no longer in their early twenties and, uh, <laughs> energy is becoming, energy is becoming difficult and they still want to take their art form to the next level, but they feel there's a barrier there. This is, of course, for, uh, you're asking the question for a friend. <laughs> yes, it has nothing to do with me. Uh, I think 
it's all at your own pace and what you're willing to do. You know, I hope that we can offer more opportunities here where it's like the people that are just like, hey, I can't do this as much as everybody else. Like, is there a slower path? And I'm like, yeah, I hope there will be. I hope there will be those teams that like, hey, I play once a month. We rehearse like twice a month. And that way you're not like having your whole schedule taken up by us. But I get it. If you're here right now, we're just all cylinders because there's so little of us as performers right now that we're doing, you know, three or four shows a night. So is, your, is your friend feeling pressure? <laughs> it's, it's not about pressure to, for a commitment of time. It's a frustration of not being able to elevate my craft based mm. on the amount of energy and dedication that I just don't have to be able to give. Just, it's not, I think that I, I envy the, um, the level of immersion that Jeff has in, in this craft and Peter as well and Janellis and, and you know, some of the original company members here too. Um, and I envy th their ability to really immerse themselves. And I think that they just have more free time. Well, I think they have more time. <laughs> um, that's my guess. Okay. Do you hate them for that? Yes. <laughs> okay, great. Now we, now we, now, now the work's begun. Well, can I say like for you, Mike, specifically, you've grown so much since you've been here. Like, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> I that's think all I was going for. <laughs> great. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> No, and I think you are hard on yourself for sure. I'm hard on myself, definitely. I'm know. not, but I understand. <laughs> but you're, but I don't think you're at a you're. If you look at yourself, you know, a year ago, you look at yourself now. I hope you see growth because you definitely have grown, like for sure. So I don't know. Well, and I think to give hope. I mean, you talked about at the beginning of this interview, like how you sucked. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to get to the place where, like, you know what? I'm actually pretty good at this. Oh. Not great, but I'm just pretty good at this. Uh. 10 years yeah <laughs> maybe but i mean i also think you can do it faster you're better than me already than i was for real better than me for sure right now than i ever was at the beginning so that mike take all that information back and make sure you tell your friend that <laughs> great another question this is great yes to make yourself feel bad about yourself. Mm. And um, I know we've had conversations about this. And so what's the encouragement when you come to the point that you start out and you're so excited at it, and then you come to the point that you're like, oh my God, I suck. And then so what is that motivation to like get over that hurdle? Uh, I think I had a great teacher, well, two teachers I'll say right now, Bill Arnett and Jason Schatz. One, they would say slumps, any of those slumps where you're feeling bad we're actually a sign of growth. And I can say that's true. Where you're sitting there and you're like, oh man, I was killing it. Now I fucking blow, right? You could sit there and be like, I'm going to get out of this because this is just my body. I might, you're probably trying something new, right? And you're trying to do something different or you got caught in something that you've been doing regularly. So you got to break out of it. So that's all it is. I think that's one thing. And then the other thing, I guess the other side of it, this is the Bill Arnett thing. That was a Jason Schatz thing, um, was the whole idea that your worst show is getting better if that makes sense. Like your best show, the best show you ever had will always be the same, right? It'll always feel the same. It'll always get that best show feeling. Everybody in the audience high fives you, right? It's your worst show that's getting better as you grow, right? Like now you won't sit there. Like now I usually, I hope I can say this is real, that I usually don't have just a show that's an outright fail and we all died, right? But I don't, it doesn't mean that every show is perfect. It just means that now it's like at least averagely I can get a decent show, you know what I mean? Does that this, answer your question? I don't know. 
This is for a friend, just like the other person. <laughs> what if you've been in that slump for 10 years? <laughs> uh, you're coming out of it, friend. Great, thank you. <laughs> Another question. Yeah. Yes, and your name is? Raya. Raya. Hello, Jimmy. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Hi, Raya. So um, I'm lucky enough to be part of Comedy Clash here oh. at Villain Theater, and I'm so glad that I've been here since the beginning, getting to watch and be a part of the classes and workshops. Um, but one thing that I've noticed about Villain that is definitely unique is how inclusive in terms of all abilities, as well as including women. Um, we had the Women in Comedy Festival activity uh, sponsored and started by Janellis, which was a huge uh, growth opportunity. So in the improv community, obviously Villain is leading the way in feminism. What are some tips to continue it for everyone? Um, I, th I think for everyone, you gotta put um, women, people of color, like anyone that's not being represented in positions where they are represented. Like, you know, there's a reason I wanna get as many female teachers here as possible, you know, cause that's, and more female performers because that makes other females feel good, right? They're like, oh, they do uh, want that here. So I feel like I can do that here. I think if you don't see a little bit, I think I would say for the audience, the audience likes seeing themselves on stage. So we gotta give them a little bit of that representation in order for them to want to do this as well. So that would be, I guess, my answer to that. Get more people on there, more people will wanna do it. Everybody feels better. Great, uh, I have a question for you overall in the community. Uh, you came back uh, about a, a year ago, all right? And um, there was, there's another, there's a couple other theaters. How, how was that reception? Are, are you, are, is is the community you're smiling and you're blushing as I'm saying this <laughs> so I have a feeling the audience uh, has knowledge that uh, sure I mean I think uh, the Florida community has gone through um, a lot you know we've had like our little battles between companies and things like that I think now we just I think we just hashed it all out recently you know like now how'd you do that because because what I had heard was you know there's a little tension down in Miami. Yeah, I mean, everybody's hearing about that. Um, but I think a lot of the a lot of that is going away. A lot of the people, everybody's getting uh, more mature and smarter, and everybody's realizing like we're in a huge area. There's so many people here. Nobody's like really in competition. If anything, we're just helping each other by showing, hey, you know, there's improv over here. And I'm like, is this one closer to your house? I will ask people that. I'll be like, that close to your house? Go there. That's better for you, you know? Like, if we all do that, we're all helping each other. And I think recently we had, like, a big uh, improv summit. I'm looking at Anthony Francis right now. Because um, <laughs> Anthony is from? Um, he is from Improv U and Business Casual. was another group up in Del Rey, and they're awesome. Um, uh, but, yeah, um, I think, like, we've all started working together a lot more, like, after that improv summit, because I think it just was just stuff that needed to be said. And I'm super blunt, as everyone will know, for good or bad. Um, and, like, I think we just need to be blunt with each other and say it all out and just get all the trash out. And now it's fine. We're all, so like, So all the along. theaters sat down and had a summit? Yeah. Everybody in Miami and in the, in, in the whole area? Uh, yeah, all the people that were, like, running companies for the most part, like, all the way up to, like, West Palm. And, and so, so what, what are the steps that, are, that, that, that you guys, everyone's going to take now to, to make this more inclusive? Uh, we're all just like, 
cutting down on anybody speaking negatively about other groups. Um, I, we're also bringing back the South Florida Improv Jam at Just a Funny. It's going to be at Just a Funny Theater uh, this year in September, which is great. That hasn't happened for a couple years. Um, we're all just like sending each other our students. We're saying that anyone from any improv theater can come into any show at any of the other theaters for free. You know, so just we're all having some synergy. I do a show personally with David Christopher, who is like uh, one of the directors over at Just the Funny. Once a month, he does. We do a two-person here at Villain, and then we switch it off. We do a two-person there at Just. So the there's Funny. no exclusivity. I could play at Just the Funny. I could play at Villain. Oh yeah, no. That I was, could teach at Villain. I could teach at Just the Funny. I'm fine with whatever anybody wants to do. However, you can make money and be happy. Please do so. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Hey, how you doing? What is your name? Hi, I'm Mike Nato. How's it going? How Hi, Mike Nato. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes improvisers can be kind of superstitious. And I know when I was going through improv, I had like a mantra that I would say to myself. Do you, do you guys, and this is for both of you, do you guys have like a mantra that you would say to encourage you and provide you with power before you went on a stage? Mike, I'm curious what your mantra was. Can you share it with us? <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, in information comes to me quickly, and I am always right. <laughs> Which is not just true for improv, it's really true for life. Don't you think? Um, Thank you. So, <laughs> I... I think uh, as far as mantras go, there's two things, I guess, that I do. I still do one of them before shows. Um, one of them is mix, and it's that idea of just tell yourself, this is the least important thing you will do all day, right? Like us going up here pretending to be unicorns for 30 minutes is the least important thing you'll do all day. And if you view it that way, you're comfortable and you're confident, right? And the other thing I have is a playlist that has this song by White Lion called The Touch. And it's from the Transformers movie that came out in like 1980-something. Listen to that song before any show and you will feel the best. <laughs> Does that help you? Yeah. Okay, great. We got uh, one more question back there? Yes, one more question. My name is Tony. Um, Hi, Tony. Okay, um, I'm, before Jeff answers the question, a little background. Uh, how old are you, Tony? 29. 29. Are you in a relationship? No. Okay, so you've got, you've got plenty of free time right now. It's just your job? <laughs> well, no. Right now I do about 50 to 60 hours a week. God damn. Okay. And 20 of that is, 20 extra of that is just traveling time mm -hmm. from work, and then an extra few more hours just for this on my days off. Okay. So, do you have enough information about his life? I, I think so. Okay. Um, I mean, it seems like, if you're like me, it sounds like you are. Um, you, don't, you don't mind the drive. You don't mind that you're not sleeping much, right? But I would say sleep. Very important to sleep. At least six hours. Um, but um, I 
we give as much opportunities here as we can, but go outside of here, right? There's Just the Funny, there's Anthony at Improv U, there's Casey Casperson at Sick Puppies. If you're willing to get out there, you could be doing improv every night here now because there's so many companies doing it, and it's great. So you have an opportunity that I didn't even have back in the day. It was kind of like, there's two of us, choose your land, you know? So you can do it every night if you want to. And I would like to just add on to that. Since it's where you are age-wise and you're single still, this is the time to... (laughs) This is the time to throw yourself into it. Because I know when I started, there's a period of your time where you really benefit by immersing yourself into it. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you know, you wait a couple years, now you're in your 30s, now you're, you're, you're in that relationship that you've wanted, um, things change. You won't have that time. But right now, I would, I would, say, I would say immerse yourself into mm-hmm. it. T- t- take, if you're not getting s- as much stage time here, Jeff just gave you a list of other places. to. to yeah, away. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing our best, Tony. Jeez. Tony, there's only so much we can do. Oh, man. Well, listen to this podcast. I'll tell you right now. There's just like a wealth of information. Um, yeah. Well, the other thing I would say, to Tony, where you, you left already. Tony, <laughs> is go to, go to Chicago for a week. And, oh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, they, uh, Second City has intensives. I.O. has intensives. I teach intensives. Go, not only go in, 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 in you know, to... to for, for to study, but also go to see shows, and I think you will come back inspired. But I, I I cannot encourage you enough right now if that's what you're feeling, and based on what we just saw in your 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 resume, um, <laughs> do it, do it, throw yourself into it. And you know what? If that means you want to tech a show here, you know, just because you're on stage, that, you know, th- that isn't. Th- there's other things you can do, like you're interning now. But I bet you there's what opportunities to direct and you know uh, not direct uh stage manage and all sorts of oh yeah tech. there's tons of stuff we need help with all the time I and uh learn all the ins and outs. for sure yeah so i that's what i would do but i think watching shows too is important people throw that one on the side they think going on stage is the only thing you do watch shows watch shows so you can learn stuff good or bad why is that important because i think today more than ever people aren't doing it they're hmm. not going shows um i think especially i mean in chicago i know it's happening more in new york and like everywhere there's so many places to play that everybody's focused on playing 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 but man i got most of my training by emails by being able to watch somebody and go man that was really good i'm going to try and aspire to do more of what that person's doing and that helps a lot too because it's not enough just to be doing it randomly that's like waving around in the dark with a sword right these guys give us bullseyes that they're hitting every time. Let's watch those people hit the bullseye so I can get closer to doing Which this, it too. This, this ties into one of your pet peeves uh, is that is everybody's doing way too much, even here in Miami. Uh, I think so. I think sometimes people are like just like spreading themselves thin instead of focusing on just like, hey, what are the things that are making me better and also the things that I enjoy? I think you need both. So if you would do more of that, like if you want to do musical improv, then get into a group that does musical improv. If you want to have more variety, do a musical group, do an independent show, do a sketch show, do those things. Those are different. But if you're just on 10 improv teams that are all just doing the same style of improv, I don't think it's as useful. Why in the middle of your program, 
I'm taking improv, improv. You throw sketch at me. Uh, because I think when you do sketch and you start learning to like hone your ideas that way, it helps you to focus up your improv too. Like you can start sitting there and being in a scene and being like, oh, I know how to focus on what's the central idea of the sketch. I can do that in my scenes as well really quickly. I can start noticing what is fun or funny about this. We got to wrap this yes. up. Yes. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, we always end the, the podcast with the same question, which is what would you give, what piece of advice would you give an improviser uh, starting out in improv and comedy today? Um, find a comedy buddy and talk to them about shows that you go see, play with them, and do as much as you can with that person because it's just nice to have somebody to bounce stuff off. That's what I have in Peter Meir, one of the best comedy partners in the world. <laughs> And tell us in a practical way how you do that, how you, you, you do that. I think whenever in any of the places that I went or studied, there's always that one person in class that you're just kind of like, oh, that guy's fun. I like the way they're performing or I just enjoy their personality. Go and talk to that person. Go grab a beer. I can't anymore. But go grab a beer. Go grab a, a milkshake. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Something with that and, person. And you say, hey, look, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? Do yeah. You, uh, I think just talking, even if we're not struggling, just talking about like, hey, I saw that show. What did you like? What did you dislike? Like, you know, am I right? Was that bad? You know, like sometimes that's a good question. And, and you, you want somebody who's going to say you're right 90% of the time. Right? <laughs> I, I like the person that will argue with me. Most of my comedy buddies argue with me all the time, which is great because they have a completely different perspective and they give you another way of attacking the game, which is what you want. But when you first met Peter, and I think you should tell people this, you both thought each other were assholes. Oh yeah, because we were assholes to each other. <laughs> In what way? Uh, I was, I made the stupidest joke about a t-shirt he was wearing and then I think he just like, I thought, and maybe this is more on me, but I, he was like a blend kid, which is like another... A what? You gotta uh, explain it to there's me. There's a private, there's two private schools here that apparently are in competition. Okay. No. But uh, Christopher Columbus, Christopher Columbus High School, where I went, and then Belen Jesuit, which is the high school he went to. Okay. So we kind of like, we're always like, yeah, those guys, you know, they're stupid and shitty, and their sports are bad, and they were like, those guys are stupid. Were they the richer kids, or what? I think we were all, they were all rich kids. Everybody okay. was, except for me, apparently. I right. think Peter, too. We were both like those people that were in the schools that were like, I don't have a Porsche. How'd that kid have a Porsche? Mm -hmm. You know? So. So, so, so your first impression, if the person's an asshole, they may end up being your improv buddy. Sure, just because they disagree with you. Probably the person that disagrees with you is the person that's going to be honest with you, which is the kind of friends I like. So. We've got to wrap this up. Yeah. Jeff Quintana. Did I get it right? Did I get your name right? You nailed it every time, oh, Mr. Crane. Oh, my God. Uh, thank you so much for being our guest on Improv Nerd. <laughs>
was great. Just great sound guy, and it was just great talking to him and hanging out with him. Uh, I'd also like to thank my producer here in Chicago, Dan Schiffmacher. He's the one who makes me sound so slick and so professional. The best way to check me out is on my website, jimmycorain.com. You can check out my award-winning improv classes, The Artist Low Comedy, and workshops and weekend intensives, as well as sign up for the Improv Nerd blog. Each week, I'll send a new blog that'll make you a better improviser and a better person. Well, the better person is up to you. Also, follow us on social media. Uh, Go to the Improv Nerd Facebook page and like us. Also on Twitter, Improv underscore Nerd. And check out our YouTube channel, Improv Nerd Podcast, all one word, and see clips from the live show. We're also lucky enough to be part of FeralAudio.com, some of the most innovative and hilarious podcasts out there are on feralaudio.com. People like Chelsea Peretti, Dan Harmon, Steve Agee, Todd Berry, Jimmy Crane. Always love to slip my name in there. Check that out, feralaudio.com. Also, I'd like to thank both my sponsors, the Green Bay Improv Festival and the Tampa Bay Improv Festival. And of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, walk, don't run. Hello, I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Yunt. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. <laughs> suicide Buddies. <laughs> That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, one of the reasons it's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. <laughs> He's like, I mean, if you yeah. lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what happened to Batman. He literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a <laughs> bat. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a I don't know what you want from me. And my, uh, and my, my girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My. Uh, my. <laughs> <laughs>